You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hey everybody, welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Ken, I'm joined by Jeff and Neil in the studio. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're feeling pretty good today. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, not too bad. I'm, uh... I'm almost awake. It is morning for us still. So you smell pretty radiant. You have a nice lotion oh, on. I can you. I can tell. I applied it to him earlier this morning. So I wish you'd do that for me. I have really tight shoulders. So yeah, there's some hard to reach areas that I just can't get myself. Get, get that tiger balm on your on your shoulders and neck. Yeah, everyone knows when I'm having a, a bad neck day because you can just smell me walking from a mile away with the tiger balm. <laughs> Made with real tiger, right? I that's what Charlie Sheen says. So well. I I am uh, working on a sleep deficit here today, but I'm very happy to be hosting because we have some uh, interesting guests Skyping in with us today. First of all, Nikki Bates from Lincoln, Nebraska. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I uh, have a house full of people that just got influenza A. So oh, no. while everyone is sharing those photos on Facebook of like how they've aged 10 years, I feel like you could take a photo of me from last week and see a noticeable <laughs> difference. So your, your house is locked down right now, quarantined. Oh, everybody's on Tamiflu and uh, we all piled into one bed last night. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So oh. there's a lot of concealer happening. Are there, are there uh, various men and women in biohazard suits wandering around your property as well you know they don't make those in kid sizes i checked on amazon oh (laughs) and uh and what do you do out there in lincoln i am a television producer i work for public television and in my spare time i host bar trivia once a week very cool wonderful and our other guest today is ed witt he's a u.s champion on patreon so first of all we thank him for that and also, he's a, a local man from Chicago. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, I can relate to Nikki. I'm just getting over, as you might hear a little bit in my voice, uh, a fl- not the flu, but uh, infection myself. So uh, I apologize if I'm hacking uh, during the during the competition. Just, just put the axe away and everything will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll edit out any uh, unwanted noises. Yeah, and we'll keep in the wanted ones. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> and what do you do here in Chicago? Uh, I actually work for Walgreens uh, at their corporate office. Very cool. So in Deerfield, yeah. out in Deerfield, yeah. Although I live in the city, and I'm told you have some uh, creative pursuits as well. Yeah, I, I kind of in my free time do some uh, comic work, to drawing comics, and then also uh, I do some design work. I designed a couple beer cans and uh, 
do some organization nice. for some local comics events. Very cool. Very creative yeah. episode today. Yeah. I like <laughs> it. All right. Well, without further ado, I think we'll uh, toss it over to the rules guy and we'll get this game rolling. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. All right, guys, are you ready for a uh, serious gauntlet of questions here? Ready. I, ready. I am not. These so. are super hard, so. We need uh, a name for their team. That's right. What are you guys thinking? Anything? We're always the nippery slipples. <laughs> the nippery slipples, that's oh, good, like too. That. And they are, they're both sick, too, so I don't know if there's... All right, they're going to be the nippery slipples, and I'm going to have to say that a bunch of times. Yeah, it's going to be a nipperly, nipperly gonna... slope. <laughs> it's going to be a nippery slope. Slipples. How do you spell slipples? <laughs> Just kidding. I got it. All right, that's going to be fun to say a bunch of times. And uh, what do you guys want to be? How about uh, how about lotion commotion? I like it. Okay. Oh, and, and by the way, Matt uh, is actually taking a satellite course. Uh, he's not here uh, but it is literally a satellite course. He's on a satellite right now, just was, orbiting Earth. Wasn't Lotion Commotion one of the levels in Donkey Kong Country? That I wouldn't know. Okay. It should have been. It sounds like it should be. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get the game rolling here with uh, round one, question one. The 1968 film The Odd Couple saw what actor attempting to share an apartment with Walter Matthau despite their very different lifestyles? It was far from the first time this actor attempted to share his apartment. Uh, we're going to lock in, and uh, you guys are welcome to talk. Is it Jack Lemmon? I I know they starred together in you know Grumpy Old Men and the sequel, and I that would be not a horrible guess because I can't come up with anything else. Um, there's a clue in there about apartment, and I wonder if it's... There's a movie called The Apartment, but I don't know who was in that either. So um, I, that, I'm fine I with that. I think that was also Jack Lemmon, and it was with Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> I, I like it. Let's do it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. The Nippery Slipples are in with Jack Lemmon. How about you guys over at Lotion Commotion? Yes, that was uh, Billy Wilder film, Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon. All right. Looks like nice. we're starting out with uh, 20 points split between the two teams. It's uh, Jack Lemmon. Good job, guys. Great everyman. Yeah, mm -hmm. Gary Glenn Ross. Yeah, love Inher that one. Inherit the Wind uh, yeah. remake. Yeah. All right. Question two: Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, published in nineteen sixty-two, marked the first appearance of what notable comic book character as a trial run? <laughs> and I, I did not know that uh, Ed was, uh, you know, into comic drawing. I'm really glad you're my partner today. <laughs> um, all right. So, Amazing Fantasy nineteen sixty-two. I know that. I feel like Spider-Man did not... I don't think he started with his own comic. I don't think so. I think he, he was like a uh, cameo. And I do know Ken's love of the Spider-Man. And it, it's about the right time for Spider-Man, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I was going to say like Fantastic Four, but it's one one hero. So I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I'm fine with Spider-Man. We're going to lock in? Okay. Yeah. yeah why not? Okay. Uh, so I think <laughs> I might have set myself up for failure by saying I was into comics, but... Uh, my guess is based on the time period, it was probably Spider-Man, and I apologize if we get this wrong for our team. 
We said Spider-Man. All right, two lock-ins with Spider-Man, and uh, looks like another 20 points Ooh. split between the two teams. So, <laughs> Thank so, you, Uncle uh, Ben. We're running a perfect Thank game so ben. far. Are you doing new math over there, or how, what's going on? <laughs> I'm just trying to confuse the audience. But uh, both teams are at 20 points. All right, on to question three, and I want to give a quick shout-out to the ladies over at Misinformation Podcast. Um, this is a common bit of trivia, but I first heard it on uh, one of their episodes, so uh, shout-out to the ladies at Misinfo. Taro Sujimoto was selected by the Buffalo Sabres in the 11th round of the 1974 NHL Draft. Aside from being a Buffalo hockey pop culture icon what else about this player and his selection in the draft is particularly notable anything on this one was he the first japanese player drafted i would think so um i mean his name would lead me to believe that fact but um so buffalo sabers taro Su- uh, sujimoto you said yep yeah I, I can't imagine i don't think I'm trying to think of like the prevalence of hockey in Japan. And I know it's a thing, but I don't know if it's, I mean, yeah. like I, f- I always associate like baseball being like the big export to Japan as far as like the big four American sports. I agree. To call hockey an American sport. Um, and uh, North like, American. Yeah, yeah. North American. I like that answer. I mean, if Jeff or if uh, Ken needs us to be more specific than we can be, but I feel like, yeah, first player of Japanese descent. Nikki, do you want to? take this one <laughs> yeah we were thinking maybe this could be a reverse cutting edge situation where maybe he was a figure skater turned hockey player but we decided to go maybe first um first japanese person to play in the nhl all right well he very well may have been the first uh, japanese player drafted um but the correct answer actually supersedes that answer because he is fictional he does not actually exist <laughs> oh wow yeah, it's it's in a great episode from misinformation about hoaxes. Basically, the um, the owner of of the Buffalo Savers was protesting the drafting process, so he wanted to throw him a little curveball, and he made up this player, made up the team that he played for, and uh, he drafted him. <laughs> I don't feel so bad about not knowing who he was. <laughs> Me either. Yeah, same here. All right, so uh, first misses of the day on that question. But we'll move on to question four. Misses from the misses. Yeah. Although it is debated how effective the method actually is, Mithridatism is the practice of what? A few Hamlet characters maybe could have benefited from giving it a shot. Mithridatism. Uh, I feel like I looked this up once. Oh, well, so the clue with the Hamlet, uh, there's a couple clues in there. Give it a shot. Um, uh, Hamlet. So in Hamlet. Talk about Hamlet deaths. Well, most of them are towards the end where people are getting poisoned. They're poisoned with the tip of... Oh, I know what it is. Um, you had mentioned, like, lying, and I know that lie detector use is definitely controversial whether or not it's reliable or not. It's um, And then I was trying to think of other, like, Shakespearean characters that it could apply to, because they just said Shakespearean, right? Uh, Hamlet. Characters from Hamlet. Hamlet. I think that's okay i mean i i maybe just lie detection because that is also debated yeah yeah let's go with that okay so We're the locking with lie detection the <laughs> nippery slipples going with lie detection and uh lotion commotion where are you guys at yeah it's a great team effort here uh jeff said tell me about hamlet i said many characters towards the end of the play are killed by a poison tipped blade or by poison and jeff said 
Yeah, like weirdly, and I don't know how this came up, but I once looked this word up. And I couldn't remember what it was till Neil reminded me, but I believe, if we're correct, Mithridatism is the practice of uh, slowly and intentionally poisoning yourself to build like a tolerance or an immunity. So that's what we went with. All right. And the correct answer is indeed weaning yourself on poison. <laughs> so uh, looks like the boys in the studio are going to get some points here. And it's the first separation of the game after... Uh, Four questions. I think you guys have 30, and uh, the Nippery Slipples have uh, 20 points. Man, oh, if only you would have given, like, a Princess Bride clue. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. That would have worked, too. That would have been inconceivable. Okay, let's move on to question five. What complex abstract design means circle in Sanskrit and can represent various spiritual elements such as balance and harmony? The end of your question, you said complex abstract design circle um, and the app or um, it can represent various spiritual elements such oh. as balance and harmony, but oh, okay, among others. I mean, yin and yang is not a bad. It it meets the criteria. It doesn't sound like Sanskrit, but I guess. I mean, how many other Sanskrit words do you know, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, well, I am taking Sanskrit on my on my phone and an app. Um, Sanskrited, it's called. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I guess yeah, I have no idea. I guess because yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting at is like I've got no better guesses. I don't either. That's a great guess. And okay. since we don't really know Sanskrit, okay, it's not terribly that sounds good. <laughs> out of the realm of reason. Okay, we can go for it. Uh, we got nothing. Um, I don't. We we were thinking about maybe it's some sort of a pattern, um, but we can't think of any sort of patterns that sound like a circle in Sanskrit. So um, let's try spiral. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Hey, spiral. Okay, you guys? We uh, weren't really on a path uh, that we thought could be correct, but we said, uh, we were talking to each other and we said maybe yin-yang. Uh, we know it It doesn't maybe sound like Sanskrit, but we also don't know Sanskrit, so uh, we, we kind of latched <laughs> on to the, to the balance aspect of that. Yeah, it seems to be complex and abstract, so... All right, uh, no points in this uh, question. The correct answer is mandala, which uh, oh yeah, everybody's seen them. That's what they're called. Oh, look it up. Hmm. All right, moving on to question six. This is kind of a quotes question about uh, Great Burns. Senator Stephen Douglas said in public debate that what man was two-faced. His reply: I leave it to my audience. If I had another face, do you think I would wear this one? I, I think I have it. Okay. Yeah. That was my guess. So, Could it uh, be Lincoln or is that too easy? Well, there were uh, the Lincoln-Douglas debates, so that'd be my guess. Um, yeah. And he wasn't... I mean, it's before Rodney Dangerfield's time, so it's probably not him. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't exactly known for being an attractive man, so I think that's a good guess. Uh, Lincoln would be my best guess then. Okay. These guys are in with Lincoln. You guys? Harvey Dent. No, we, we didn't go with that. <laughs> I'll let Jeff take it. Uh, yeah, we thought uh, this sounds like the kind of quip uh, Lincoln would have. So we went with Abraham Lincoln. And it is indeed a Lincoln uh, quip. Good job, guys. Everybody gets points. Lincoln was such a, a navigator in debates. Um, just <laughs> Is that because uh, aviation was before, or aviator was... Uh, too, never mind. Screw this. Uh, anyways, I looked up a mandala, and those are the ones the, the like the monks do, right? That like the the Tibetan monks they'll like do one, and then they'll take it down. Like it's a 
semi-permanent. I've seen them do like yeah. a sand painting. Yeah, like they've done installations of oh, them. Um, perhaps like the art institute. Or you or see them a like lot that. in adult coloring books. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Yeah, you, that you do. You hours. do that, and uh, also on um, you know tattooed on people these days. Yeah, it was really pretty when Jeff showed me. So really cool. All right, number seven. Subject of the thirty for thirty episode called "Student Slash Athlete." What notable Hawaiian place kicker gained his fame at Notre Dame in 1988 to go on to a medical profession? I'm sure if Matt was here and not on the uh, space station, what'd you say? Uh, yeah, he's uh, taking, he's a, taking satellite a satellite course, course on satellites. In a satellite. Gotcha. All right, we'll just talk about something. Go well. ahead. You can throw a guess out because I, uh, I don't think we have any viable <laughs> answers. Yeah, we were really struggling uh, to try to figure out if it was uh, if they were better known for being a, a doctor or an athlete, and uh, we were leaning toward celebrity doctors of some sort, um, and just thought maybe they'd be interviewed. You know, as maybe the thirty for thirty is about you know athletes who went on to be other things, but we couldn't really come up with any d- celebrity doctors we thought were Hawaiian. So um, I we wanted to say like. Uh, Dr. Phil or something like that. I don't know. We had a lot of trouble with this one uh, because we couldn't figure out who the place kicker was and how long he would have been a place kicker. We couldn't figure out uh, what he became notable for as a doctor. Um, and we just, we were having so much trouble. This is like a, definitely a Matt question. So we just kind of talked about Hawaiian players or players that we knew that might've been Hawaiian. So we just said Mariota Seau. Okay. And uh, no points on this one. Correct answer is Reginald Ho. I just did research on this one, obviously, guys. I uh, thought maybe Matt would be here to provide some <laughs> insight. That's all right. Well, we'll get his answer in uh, in a few hours when it comes from the satellite. All right. Here's another one. Number eight. What wife of King Henry VIII was the only one to receive a queen's funeral after giving birth to a son who would become King Edward VI? She also did not star in a popular Western television series from the 90s. Uh, oh, from the 90s so it's probably dr quinn medicine woman uh which was played by jane seymour mm-hmm. is there a seymour or jane i can't remember who did natalie portman i, I never remember her or scott johansson one of them was anne boleyn one of them was uh what film uh um yeah, uh, i can't remember the name of the film now but it's it's i think it's something about anne boleyn it's natalie portman and scott johansson and they're like both one of his wives um, is it the Lady Jane Seymour? It might. Be it is Jane be, Seymour. That, yeah. That's right. Because yeah. I always, I'm always like, oh, that's the Bond, the Bond girl. Okay, yeah, yeah. We're, we're okay. good. Jane Seymour. Yeah, we were thinking Jane Seymour with uh, Doctor Quinn, medicine woman, shared the name there with uh, one of Henry's wives. All right. Looks like both teams getting points with Jane Seymour. Good job, guys. I actually used to work with one of the actors on that show. I worked at a local television station for a really long time and the little boy who played her son on that show used to run cameras and stuff with us <laughs> oh cool that's great <laughs> that that was always a cool show yeah i always liked that one a lot um i can't remember if he was on the show i, I was like i was like pretty young when that was on yeah so i would just kind of see in the background i'm like what's going on here i worked with uh the actor william shockley he was on that show i believe uh he was a nice guy he's very very country always has a guitar all right number nine The film Don't Breathe features three thieves breaking into a home of a veteran that they perceive as an easy target. They soon realize they're in over their heads, and the veteran is much more trouble than they bargained for. 
Why do they think he's an easy target? Okay, we're locked in. That's okay. Oh, we're Have good. you seen okay. this? Yeah, I think he's blind, if I remember correctly, because they're like trying to walk around the house and not make noise because he can hear, but he can't see. Yeah, uh, so this one uh, is a movie that uh, changed the way I thought about those things that you put water on turkey. What are those things called that you squeeze? Uh, turkey, turkey basters. Turkey basters. So if, if you you know use a turkey baster all the time, don't watch this movie because it'll ruin them for you. But uh, we said he was blind. Yep, uh, points to everybody. He is a blind man. Good job. And uh, last question in the round, number 10. In a somewhat outdated plotline on Friends, Ross and Rachel hire a nanny named Sandy, who is portrayed by what somewhat outdated actor? What does that even mean? Just old actor? Like someone who doesn't matter anymore? Someone whose time has come and gone, I would guess. Well, wait a minute. Maybe uh, their views are... Was Fran Drescher on Friends? Or no? I know they had the, the, the woman who sounded kind of like Fran Drescher from The Nanny. Uh, Janice, right? That was like... Yeah. But I, that's who I'm thinking of, I think. But I doubt... I don't know if she was on Friends. Well, Fran Drescher was the nanny. So. Exactly. So I don't know if she like also played an, a nanny on Friends. That was an NBC show, right? The yeah, nanny? Yeah, I think so. So maybe they did like a goofy crossover or something? Yeah. Just pulling from the ether over here. Uh, Brad Pitt was on the show. I don't know what he, he played. Was. Uh, I just want to say Brad Pitt. Yeah, I have no idea. I just want to go Fran Drescher. That's fine. She was the nanny. Okay. So. Can you tell us the name of the the nanny, the character's name? Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it was Sandy. Um, oh, can... <laughs> I mean, I know that Brad Pitt guest starred at one point on there, and that was when he was dating Rachel in real life, when Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt were dating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have anything better. I mean, the, I, unless it's some, like, 90s actor who faded away, like Pauly Shore or something Pauly like Shore. that. Shore. <laughs> <laughs> he rode off into the sunset, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, we were thinking maybe it was an outdated plotline because maybe it was like controversial that they had a male providing childcare or something. I'm sure this is going to ring a bell once I hear the answer, but yeah, let's go with let's go with Brad Pitt. Okay, you guys are in with Brad Pitt. You, I know you guys mentioned Brad Pitt. We did mention him. We don't really know anything about Friends, and we we knew that he was on the show and thought maybe outdated, meaning he used to date a lot uh, in Hollywood, but. Uh, we kind of just went for a little crossover action and we, and we said maybe Fran Drescher played the nanny uh, for oh. like a, a, an episode and then she was also the nanny. So we said Fran Drescher. Okay. Well, no points on this one, but uh, you guys were getting pretty close over at the Nippery Slipples. It was a plot line related to uh, Ross being uncomfortable with having a male nanny, but uh, he was per, uh, portrayed by Freddie Prince Jr. Oh. oh. So at the end of 10 questions, looks like it's a pretty close game. The Nippery Slipples in second place with 50 points and just barely in front of them, Lotion Commotion, uh, 60 points. All right, moving on to the swing round here. Today, it's called Crazy Credits. I've got 10 questions that give you the year and then describe some relatively bizarre credits that uh, roll in the film. And uh, I just want you to tell me what the film was that I'm describing. Okay, so Crazy Credits, number one. 2018. Breaking the fourth wall somewhat, the credits roll in the middle of the film, stating that the main character went on to live a peaceful life with his wife, Lynn. Number two. 2014. Increasingly bizarre movie posters of future sequels are revealed, taking our duo out of school and further into the future. Number three. 2013. 
a confirmation that the character Christoph's view that all men eat boogers does not represent the company or the filmmakers. Number 4, 2004. During the credits for the Creatures team, footsteps turn to paw prints on the Marauder's map. Number 5, 1975. The credits at the front of the film feature some errant subtitles and those responsible being sacked. <laughs> Number 6, 1999. A few frames of spliced pornography before the credits and the sweet sound of the pixies. Number 7, 2013. A clip of sound recorded of author P.L. Travers berating some of the fine folks at Disney. Number 8, 2016. Our favorite anti-hero with a mouth claims that Ed Screen is the hottest. Number 9, 2016. 24 copies of the credits roll in the background to reflect the psyche of the main character. And number 10, 1994. During the film, a coffee shop owner who is being robbed gets cut off during his line, proclaiming, I'm not a hero, I'm just a coffee shop. As such, he is credited as Coffee Shop. All right, let's, uh, let's get some discussion and then uh, we'll get the answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, looks like all the answers are locked in. Again, these are 10 questions for five points apiece. All right, number one, 2018, breaking the fourth wall and uh, rolling the credits in the middle of the film. Uh, what did you have? Nippery slipples. So this one made me laugh because when I saw this movie in the theater, um, a woman stood up after this happened and said, that's not true. Uh, so I re- it was very uh, memorable for me. It was Vice. And how about you guys at Lotion Commotion? 
it seems uh, we've come to an understanding. Uh, we went with Vice. <laughs> yep, you guys are both correct. It is Vice. Number two, 2014. Bizarre movie posters uh, revealing further sequels, taking our characters out of school and into the future. What did you have? Uh, Lotion Commotion. Ah, oh, we said this was uh, 21 Jump Street. And how about you guys at Nippery Slipples? So I think it's the sequel 22 Jump Street. It is 22 Jump Street, so only points to Nippery Slipples on that one. That's my bad. But uh, good guess. 2013, a confirmation from the filmmakers that uh, their views are not represented by Christoph saying that all men eat boogers. Uh, let's start with Nippery Slipples. So we um, we kept thinking of Christoph Waltz, but um, eventually we thought that Christoph might be the character from Frozen, the male character from Frozen. And how about you guys? Yeah, this one, I was having so much trouble. I kept thinking of a character named Christoph, uh, who was like a Steve Jobs type character. And I realized when we locked in that it was a movie not from twenty four or 2013. Uh, I was talking about Truman Show with Ed Harris, but uh, either way, we, we locked in with Truman Show. <laughs> and it is Frozen. Good job, guys. All right, number four, 2004. During the credits for the Creatures team, footsteps turned to paw prints on the Marauder's map. Start with uh, Nippery Slipples. So we, we thought it was one of the Harry Potter movies, and we weren't sure which one, so we said Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And how about you guys? Yeah, we're uh, pretty certain it's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. You guys are both right. Good job figuring that one out. Number five, 1975. The credits at the front of the film feature some errant subtitles and those responsible for those subtitles being sacked. What did you guys have at Lotion Commotion? Yep. Uh, this felt very much like a Python uh, film. So we said uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And Nippery Slipples. That's getting easier yeah, to say <laughs> as we go We on. also said Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yep. You guys are both correct on that one as well. 1999, a few frames of spliced porn and uh, the Pixies. What did we have? Nippery Slipples. Nikki, do you want to take this one? This is my favorite movie. This is Fight Club. And you guys? We also went with Fight Club. Good job. Points all around. 2013, a clip of sound recorded of author P.L. Travers berating some of the fine folks at Disney. Uh, so we, we said Saving Mr. Banks. <clears throat> we feel like that was uh, Emma Thompson and Saving Mr. Banks. Yep, you guys are right. It is a, a real recording of the author and the uh, credits. Pretty uh, pretty interesting. But uh, points all around. 2016, our anti-hero saying that Ed Screen is the hottest. Let's uh, let's get the gentleman in the studio. Yeah, we went with uh, Ryan Reynolds' Merc with a Mouth, Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> that is correct, Deadpool. 2016, 24 copies of the credits roll in the background to reflect the psyche of the main character. What did we have from Nippery Slipples? Uh, I've not seen the movie, but uh, we thought maybe it was split for his 24 personalities. Neil? Yeah, great performance. Uh, James McAvoy, we went with Split. Yep, points on that one as well. And finally, 1994, what film features a gentleman credited as Coffee Shop? Uh, this one, I wasn't sure. I, I remember watching this movie in film school a lot. Uh, I could be way off, but, uh, I believe it might be Bill Murray from Jim Jarmusch's, uh, coffee and cigarettes, black and white film. So we went coffee and cigarettes and, uh, nippery slipples. We weren't sure. We guessed Pulp Fiction and Pulp Fiction is correct. So good job, uh, over there, man. Sorry. That was my bad. I thought it could be 22 jump street, but I didn't even think about that. And I, I was thinking Pulp Fiction, but I was like, ah, Neil knows it. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, see, good. <laughs> 
Yeah. I didn't even say anything. I was like, oh, he's got it. All right. Well, it's a dead heat after that swing round, and uh, the swing round certainly served its function. It looks like uh, you guys managed to pick up uh, 35 points here in the studio, and uh, perfect score from Nippery Slipples. Good job. 50 points added to your score. So that brings uh, you guys to 100, and the gentleman in the studio at 95. So close game. All right, let's get started right off into round two with question one. Agent 47 is the main character in what franchise of video games and films? Locked in. Fast lock from the gentleman (laughs) at Lotion Commotion. How about uh, you guys? You want to talk about it? Yeah, um, I I feel like I've played these games. I think it's the Hitman games because he's kind of this generic bald guy, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I have no idea on this one, so that sounds... That sounds great. And I think they made a movie off of it too. I don't. I didn't see it, but I think they made a movie. So we'll say we'll say. I would have just been naming off video game franchises that I know have been made into movies, or vice versa. So. All right, you guys say Hitman. How about you? Oh, Timothy Oliphant. I was going to say it. uh, (laughs) Timothy Oliphant got a bomb there. Mark Wahlberg got a bomb with Max Payne. Uh, But uh, yeah, Timothy Oliphant playing the Hitman. Hitman. All right, you guys are both correct with Hitman. Question two. If you play a major scale correctly on a modern piano using only white keys, what key have you played it in? Yeah, we're locked in. Uh, I believe this is C. Yeah, C. Yeah. And what did you guys have? Yeah, we said the same. We thought this was the key of C. All right. Looks like a quick lock-in from both teams and uh, both teams with the correct answer of the key of C. Number three. Historically, the word decimation implies that what would be done to a group of usually soldiers as punishment locked in these guys are locked in quick again let's uh go ahead and get some discussion from you guys yeah so um we were talking earlier about the mithrandism um or whatever i can't remember what it was what it was but um we were trying to talk about the the root this the root of this is deaths and i think it's it's reduced by like a factor of 10 or something like that I, i i don't know for sure it's something like that um, I don't, you know, it, cause, yeah, instead of like or, drawn and quartered, they're going to be split into 10 pieces. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's fine with me. Let's reduce it. Yeah. It's, it's something to do with 10, I think, or a hundred. I like the, reduced by a factor of 10 or something like that. Do you want to say that? Sure. I will say reduced by a factor of 10. Okay. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, we said that they would kill one out of every 10. They would reduce by a 10th. Okay, so uh, yeah, the answer is 1 in 10 are killed. Um, I'm going to give the points to the gentleman in the studio here. I'm afraid uh, the nippery slipples were a little too vague on that, so uh, points for the gentleman in the studio here. So that, uh, that makes you guys pull ahead again. So you're, you're in the lead by five points right now. All right, number four. In the episode of The Simpsons where Homer bowls the perfect game, again, Matt's not here, once his time in the limelight has faded, Homer grows depressed and sings what bleak song released in 1967? I don't know. Can you think of a song from ni- 1967 that would make him feel lonely? Hey, Joe. That's a bleak song from 67. Oh, Jimi Hendrix? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> or fine. Or thereabouts. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> but, I don't yeah. either. Um, and one is, the only, one is the loneliest number. I don't think that's that's not from the 60s, right? Yeah. It could be one is the loneliest number. I don't know. I mean, I... Yeah. That I was... Um, 
I always think it's the Beatles, but it's another band. Yeah, no, it's uh, crap. We can go with that. Yeah, and I think that makes sense time-wise, too. Okay. I'm... I hope it's that episode, but Homer's going, when I was 17, I had some very good beer. And so I think it's that episode I'm going to say when I was 17. Okay. And how about you guys? I know nothing about The Simpsons, but I now that Nikki said that, I do I do remember someone singing that song like with beer, but I, I don't know. But we, um, I just came up with the, the title, One is the Loneliest Number, because it sounded you know kind of bleak. So, yeah, like, we, so went with, yeah, we went with Three Dog Nights, uh, One is the Loneliest Number. All right. Well, we have a pair of misses here. Um, we did mention the uh, when I was 17 on another episode, but uh, this one is The End by The Doors. Oh. <laughs> All right. This is going to be a little wordy because it's a, a long quote, but bear with me for number five. What Edgar Allan Poe work contains the following quote? While the objects around me, while the carvings of the ceilings, the somber tapestries of the walls... The ebon blackness of the floors and the phantasmagoric armial trophies, which rattled as I strode, were but matters to which, or to such as which, I had been accustomed to my infancy. While I hesitated not to acknowledge how familiar was all this, I still wondered to find how unfamiliar were the fancies which ordinary images were stirring up. And if you asked the character Roderick if he felt a little nervous, he might just tell you, yeah. I uh, are we gonna lock in? Yeah, I I have a, a decent line of logic. So. Yeah, I I like it a lot. Okay. So we're gonna lock in. Is the Roderick hint giving you anything? Um, no. I my guess was maybe the Telltale Heart. Um, because doesn't he like bury someone below? His, I can't remember the story, but he buries someone like in his Again, floorboards or something. My knowledge comes from The Simpsons when Lisa built the <laughs> diorama of the Telltale Heart. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, he's he's nervous. I think he's going to be discovered, but I, I don't because he thinks maybe other people can hear it or something. But I, I only know like three Edgar Allan Poe. It doesn't sound like rhymey enough to be the the Raven, though maybe it could be. But um, yeah. So I that'd be my guess, but I don't have a lot behind that. You have me behind that. I you okay. have my full support. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's go with it. Telltale Heart. Yeah, we wrote down. Telltale Heart, uh, which I I never remember what that one's about. I, I feel like that's the one with the heart beating and the the beating is making him anxious. But um, when the words in the quote though about the ceiling, about um, different things in the room, and him being scared, made me think of the Pit and the Pendulum, which I believe is the character is on a table with a pendulum that's a blade, like getting close to him, cutting him in half. And uh, I, I just assumed that if he's like looking up at the ceiling, he's noticing those details. So we went with the Pit and the Pendulum. Not a bad uh, line of reasoning, but uh, you guys didn't pick up on my hint about the main character just telling you, yeah, because if a musician were to tell you, yeah, it might be Usher. Oh, uh, yeah, Fall of the House of Usher. Usher. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You should have gone, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I didn't want to give it entirely away. I I maybe would have thought it was Lil John, depending on his enunciation. I, I'm, I'm really bad with uh, with Poe. I always forget about the fall of the House of Usher. So, well, what about the fall of Usher's career, <laughs> too? Well, he's he's okay. He's just hasn't he's had doing, a hit. He hasn't had fun. a hit in a while. All right. After uh, five questions in this round, it looks like uh, both teams are hanging on here. It's uh, one twenty to one twenty five with Lotion Commotion slightly in the lead. So, still a toss up. 
And this next question is especially for Neil, as he did not join uh, me and our friends to uh, watch the, the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, last night, uh, in which he would have found the answer to this question. In the Lord of the Rings books and movies, what sonorous object of Boromir's is used as evidence of his passing to his father? I, who's Boromir? Which one is Boromir? That's not the troll. Sean Bean. Okay, Sean Bean. <laughs> you have no frame of reference. Um, okay, Boromir is Sean Bean. What was the object that showed his passing to his father? Wasn't it like a necklace or something? I remember, he, I remember he died this. by a tree, right? Didn't he get stabbed by a tree? He was shot full of arrows by orcs. Oh, he was. I think Who he died. Then by he was a... finally then run through with a sword. I thought someone he was like someone was leaned up against a tree when he died. I could be wrong. Well, he was, yeah. Maybe like, um, would he have something? Is like... it his horn? Maybe no. Boromir. Why, am I... Why can't I remember this? Is there something that he would have had that would have like had some sort of uh, ticking or? I don't think they had watches in Middle Earth. No, they did not. Um. Does he have the Horn of Gondor? No. That's a big thing. I don't even know what that is. But the clue... Is, <laughs> so I know nothing about Lord of the Rings. But something that would have... If the father got it, he would have known he was dead. So like something would have changed with his death. Like a mood... Not a mood ring, but... <laughs> the, the mood goes black. Uh, but something like that. Like if the father got like his necklace, he could have been... Oh, he's still alive. But is there something that he died that he would know? How about just... Um, I don't know how specific we have. Well, to he be. was a warrior, so like turning over his sword, like he would never give up his sword. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah so like, like like never cutting a samurai's top knot or something. So, um, yeah. What? How about his sword? Like, cause he, yeah, fine with that. Okay. Uh, we think that it's a horn that he blows. All right. So, a uh, quick answer from these guys after a lot of discussion uh, in the room. And what did you guys say? We said uh, his sword. Well, Jeff mentioned uh, Boromir's horn, and he also said the Horn of Gondor, and it is the Horn of Gondor. So points uh, going over to the Nippery Slipples on this one. Change the lead. And a whiff from uh, Lotion Commotion. So you did know that one. See, I didn't know. I had no idea, you know, whose horn or what horn it was. But I thought it might be the Horn of Gondor, but I couldn't remember. I've seen the movies. I, I did the math three times now, so... And that's it. Luckily, they didn't never have to hear books. our discussion about how terrible my logic was. Like, <laughs> never see, not, not remembering the movie. All right. On to some uh, real-world mythology here with question seven. Egyptian goddess Isis had a brother who was the lord of the underworld and also put out some pretty dope skate shoes. Who is that? We're locked in. I was thinking Anubis um, is like the, uh, the dog-headed or jackal-headed god, and I don't remember if he's the god of the underworld or not. Um, there's also Horus, which is the owl god, uh, owl-headed. And those are the, that's the extent of my Egyptian. And there's Ra, but I think Ra was sun. Um, so I don't know. Is Osiris, is that male or female? Oof. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, what about Vans? <laughs> I mean... I'm joking. That's only a skate shoe. Well, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know any skate shoes. I know Vans. Um, I mean, it could be. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, like, I, I, Anubis came to mind, but I, I cannot think of an Anubis skate shoe. Well, that sounds like the coolest name for a shoe out of all of the ones we've named, so let's go with it. Okay. All right, we're going to go with Anubis. Okay, these guys are in with Anubis. How about you? I know all of my gods thanks to Stargate SG-1. Uh, Ooh, that nice. and I actually used to have a pair of Osiris's. So we went Osiris. Oh, 
Yep, the correct answer is Osiris. So once again, the lead Damn. changes hands. Was uh, was Anubis the Egyptian band that sang Are You In? Uh, that was Incubus. <laughs> oh, Incubus, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> and I hope everybody is in for this next question. Number eight. What serial mascot has been voiced by Mel Blanc, Paul Fries, and Maurice LaMarche? Apparently in serial lore, he also have nephews, Pewey, Susie, and Louie. Probably very close to some copyright infringement there, but uh, <laughs> that's what the uh, internet said. We will take a moment to discuss. Sure. Um, Lucky Charms, which I doubt it's that. No, it doesn't sound. Uh, Cocoa Puffs, uh, probably not. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that talk. Uh, Tony the Tiger, no. Uh, <clears throat> the, the Rice Captain, Krispies treats the talk. Ad, the Admiral from Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. I'm He's thinking a that, Captain Jeff. Actually, I think he is an admiral or something like How that. How dare they? Like the, some kind of demarcation shows that he's an admiral, something like that. Or the hat would have been for an admiral, something like Huey, that. Huey, Susie, and Louie means there's a female uh, nephew or niece. So. Again, it's lore, so it doesn't mean there's ah, necessarily okay. instantiations of this on the box. So who who's the voice you said in Futurama? Maurice LaMarche was on Is that a, a guy or a girl? Futurama. He's a guy. Okay, so it's, we're, we're they're, it's all, they're all men, I believe. Okay, so it's probably a male character then. So yeah, Trix... Uh, and he said serial mascot, so not three. So right. the Trix Rabbit. Does the Trix Rabbit talk? I think. Well, Trix are for kids, right? Yeah, but it's always kids saying it, right? Oh, like Silly Rabbit. Oh no, I guess he does talk, right? Because he's always conniving to. And I like the copyright infringement because maybe all three of those <coughs> voiced Bugs Bunny after Mel Blanc. They might have. Yeah, let's just do that. Okay, Trix. Nick, you want to take this one? Well, we were thinking the nieces and nephews might be a ripoff of Huey, Dewey, and Louie from Donald Duck. So we went with another bird mascot, and we said Toucan Sam. Yeah, we uh, we kind of got uh, stuck in. Um, I know Maurice LaMarche does voiceover work for like Futurama and other shows like that. And uh, Neil mentioned how uh, Mel Blanc was originally uh, Bugs Bunny, so we, we went with the Trix Rabbit. All right, it looks like our uh, Skype contestants have followed their nippery slipples. And uh, ended up with uh, Toucan Sam, which is the correct answer. So, good job. Didn't even think about Toucan Sam. What cereal is that again? Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Ah, right. It is. Well, a, you know this game is a dead heat. I know, this the, is a great the game. The lead has changed like five <laughs> times, which is very exciting. All right, number nine. Maybe, maybe uh, Neil will know this one. It could be argued that what pro wrestler made his career as an anti-hero at WrestleMania 13 when he passed out bloody faced from a bret hart sharpshooter well there is a, a famous image of rick flair just completely bloody faced and it would lead me to believe it might be him because he had a match you know his finishing move was the figure four right which is a leg move uh and it's basically the the uh in the same level as the sharpshooter and i remember there was a match where they kept giving each other this their move I don't know if Ric Flair was in that match, but 20 years ago, he still would have been somewhat spry. Yeah, and I don't think it's Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was the Montreal Screwjob, which I don't think was a WrestleMania. So, um, I don't know. You want to go Ric Flair? Sure. All right. Okay, so um, I mentioned earlier to Nikki that I my two weak points are hockey and wrestling. <laughs> um, and we had a question on each, but um, we were thinking about the time period, and I was trying to think of people who would have been would have wrestled uh um at that time and uh i was thinking maybe mick foley since he seemed to be bloody every time he saw him so that's my guess okay mick foley how about you guys 
we weren't sure uh, that that much, but uh, I just remember there's an image of Ric Flair, like super, super bloody. It might not even be from this match, but I was telling Jeff that, you know, his finishing move was a leg move called the figure four. Bret Hart's was the sharpshooter. And a lot of times wrestlers, when they hand the torch over to a younger wrestler uh, to kind of uh, give them their stamp of approval, this could have been it when they had a big match and he made Ric Flair pass out to uh, bump up um, uh, the uh, Bret Hart. So we went with Ric Flair. Well, you said uh, wrestling and hockey were your weak points, but luckily you did not lose any ground on either of those questions, though you did not yeah. get either of them right. Um, <laughs> Steve Austin, Stone Cold is the correct answer on that one. <laughs> that was my second guess, too. At least you didn't lose any ground, right? You got yeah, stunned right, over right. there. I know. That was my second guess. And the final question of the game, number 10. Name two of the four great inventions of ancient China which are discoveries that are considered to have a profound impact on the advancement of civilization throughout the world. I'm going to lean heavily on you. Gunpowder is really my only... Um, we have gunpowder, so right now we're, we're circling around. And like I said, gunpowder I'm comfortable with, but only insofar as it's considered ancient. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Feel like I feel like the wheel was Chinese for some reason. If you, I mean, your your gut's been right today. We haven't gone with it. So, do you want to go gunpowder in the wheel? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Ed, how are you? How are you feeling about this? Um, I mean, I think that's probably as good as we're gonna get. We kind of couldn't we couldn't figure out if it was maybe more of like a system type thing, like irrigation or something. But we decided to go simple, and and yeah. So I think compass and abacus. Okay. How about you guys? Yeah, we um. We weren't 100% sure if, if gunpowder counted as ancient, but we knew that was pretty prolific and definitely Chinese. So we said gunpowder, and the second one we said was uh, the wheel. So, All right. Well, between the two teams, you guys got two of them, but unfortunately no points to be had. The correct uh, list is the compass, gunpowder, papermaking, and printing, and the podcast. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. Well, to anybody uh, keeping track, today's uh, secret theme was uh, Circus Survive albums. So, hope uh, maybe some listeners caught that uh, very vague theme, but the uh, two rounds were composed of songs from On Letting Go and uh, Violent Waves from Circus Survive. I'm sure Matt could appreciate that, but he's in space. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the game here, um, it looks like uh, the Nippery Slipples are nursing a very tenuous lead at 140. And uh, Lotion Commotion, 135, so it's going to be very tight going into the final round. And uh, I will present the final round categories. To recap, you can wager 0 to 30 points up to your point total. So the categories are Art Feuds, number two, Who Would Win in a Fight, number three, Play That Record Backwards, number four, Songs of the Same Name, and number five, 2018 films. All right, all the wagers are in. So uh, here are your final round questions. Number one, Art Feuds. Best known for creating Chicago's Cloudgate or The Bean, Anish Kapoor has purchased the rights to Vanta Black, the blackest black pigment thus far. Underdog artist and pigment creator Stuart Semple sought revenge by banning a niche from using a pigment of what name? Number two, who would win in a fight? In season three of Spike's Deadliest Warrior, Teddy Roosevelt was theoretically pitted against what figure of the First World War, who played a large role in the Arab Revolt against the Ottoman Empire? 
Number three, play that record backwards. What word describes the process of creating a backward recording of a track that is then played forward? Number four, songs of the same name. As an allusion to the concept of resurrection, the following musical acts all have songs by what title? Porcupine Tree, the aforementioned Circus Survive, Connor Oberst, Chimera, Moe, Wes King, Placebo, and David Bowie. And lastly, number five, 2018 films. What 2018 film is based on the first book of a series called Southern Reach, written by Jeff Vandermeer? Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages. Teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. All right, looks like all the answers are locked in. So let's start with number one. I wanted to know the name of the pigment that was developed by Stuart Semple, and uh, he then banned Anisha Kapoor from using it. What is the name of that uh, pigment? Let's start with Nippery Slipples, who uh, bet a uh, resounding zero on this one. We thought uh, that as kind of a being kind of cheeky, he would call it Vanta Blacker. Okay. And uh, how about you guys at Lotion Commotion, who wagered a Oakland Five? Yeah, we thought maybe he just uh, went right for the throat and he named it Kapoor. All right. Uh, well, you guys uh, were both kind of on the trail of it being pretty cheeky. This one is actually called Pinkest Pink <laughs> instead of the Blackest Black. All right. Number two, who would win in a fight? Uh, season three is Spike, uh, Deadliest Warrior. Saw Teddy Roosevelt pitted against what World War One figure? And uh, we're going to start with Nippery Slipples on this one, who again wagered a very safe goose egg. Um, so we have no idea, so we said Lawrence of Arabia. We thought maybe it was the same time period. Okay. Looks like Lotion Commotion has wagered another Oakland Five on this one. What did you say? Yeah, Neil thought uh, it would make for a great headline if it was Teddy Roosevelt versus Lawrence of Arabia. So we said Lawrence of Arabia. Lotion Commotion is getting back their five points on that one. It is T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. Number three, play that record backwards. I wanted to know the word that describes the process of creating a backward recording of a track that is then played forward. Nippery Slipples, what did you say? And you wagered another zero on this one. Uh, we don't know anything about it, so we thought um, maybe it's like they're dubbing it, but they're doing a reverse, so we said reverse dubbing. Okay, and how about you guys? Uh, we went with, uh, we had 10 points on this one. 10 points, yep. And uh, we didn't know, we guessed reverb. And unfortunately, uh, those are both incorrect. The term that we're looking for is backmasking. I had heard of that. And my uh, my category was a cheeky reference to uh, the uh, Mindless Self-Indulgence song, Backmask. Uh, number four, songs of the same name. Uh, as an allusion to the concept of resurrection, I gave you a bunch of bands that have a song of the same title, and I want to know the name of that song. 
Looks like you guys wagered zero again at Nippery Slipples. What did you say? Uh, we didn't know a lot of those bands, but we just picked a song that sounded like it would allude to the concept of resurrection, and we said life after death. Okay. And how about you guys who wagered a big 20 on this one? Yeah, we uh, we probably went a little too hard on this one. Um, we said, uh, just on the strength of the David Bowie one, we said changes. And uh, misses again here. The correct answer is Lazarus. And finally, number five, uh, big wagers from both teams. 30 points apiece on this one. It might all come down to this. 2018 films. What film is based on the first book of the series called Southern Reach by Jeff Vandermeer from 2018? What did you say, Nippery Slipples? So I, I go to the movies a lot, and I, I saw a lot of movies that last year. I think I saw like 100 movies uh, that came out in 2018, and I could not pull this one for the life of me. I thought maybe because it's a, a, a series, it's like a YA series, and that's why I've not heard of it. So there was a movie called Darkest Minds that I didn't see, and I thought maybe that's what it was, Darkest Minds. Okay, and how about you guys? All right, well, we just went with uh, The Mortal Engines, which we believe is incorrect, but we know Ken hated that movie this year. Uh, no, that is not correct, and uh, no points to be had on this one. The correct answer was Annihilation. And uh, with ah. that, I believe that was our Annihilation. <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> Hold on, let's, uh, let's tally up these scores here. I almost pulled Annihilation. I, th- I said it and then changed it. So. Dang. <laughs> it didn't seem like a sequel kind of movie. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, after the scores are tallied, it looks like Lotion Commotion uh, needs some more lotion. 75 points for you guys and our cream of the crop today nippery slipples congratulations guys you're the cream of the crop you know that i'm the cream of the crop yes great game yay hey thank you guys thanks for having us that was fun yeah no problem it was a joy having you and a lot of fun to write this game too yeah yeah good questions uh i'm not familiar with circus revive but uh now i can check out some of their work based on these questions Yep, and once again, we want to just thank our um, guests today, Nikki Bates from Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for Skyping in and giving us some of your time. And uh, Ed Witt, who is a U.S. champion on Patreon, he's local in Chicago, so we'll have to meet up with him for a trivia night sometime. Um, Again, great game, a lot of fun. Thank you to Jeff and Neil in the studio, Matt from the International Space Station, Mm -hmm. and I am Ken. That was Triviality. Hey, Jeff, what, uh, what scent is that lotion, by the way? Original. Original? Yes. What does that mean? That's what it says Just on the, the bottle. Or, the original hemp's. What does the ingredients say? I don't, I don't care. It works. Okay. You're, are you moist? Uh, no. It, I feel like I'm adequate. And to our <laughs> listeners out there who hate the word moist, moist. 